Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Uh, I think I missed last week, so it's good to be back. Bill Sutton's with me. Bill, Director of Services at Zintegra. Bill, how's it going? Going well, Andy. We were just uh, chit-chatting with Paul a little bit before this, and uh, uh, just to kind of give our listeners who may not have listened to maybe episode one at this point, uh, you've been uh, touching and, and working with Citrix Technologies since what year? Me? Yeah, Paul. How long? You first, Bill. Me, 1998. 1998. So, and I say this all the time to people and people like you, do you remember the first time you saw a uh, seamless hosted application launch? I do. And do you remember how it uh, made you feel as far as technology, technologist, game changer type thing? Absolutely. Yep. I, I thought there's so many applications for this and so many ways we can leverage this in various customers that I was all in. Yeah. And it's just kind of a no brainer. And then the security and the network and everything else that's come along with it has just been just been icing on the cake, really. Yep, exactly. Um, so we got Paul Carley with me uh, with us. Paul, how's it going? Great. Thanks for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. So, Paul, uh, tell us a little bit about where you're located and what your role at Citrix is. Yeah, sure. I'm down in our headquarters here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I am a product marketing manager for our Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops team. Uh, focus on various parts of that um, overall, uh, but I've been here since 2011. Uh, I can't believe it's been 10 years as of this month. So it's my anniversary month, July, um, and just came off vacation. So I'm rested and ready, hopefully, for you guys to ask me a whole bunch of questions, and then uh, we'll see what it go how it goes. Uh, we'll make it easy. We'll just we'll just go through the blog and cover what's there, and if people want to know more, we can definitely chat with them. Uh, afterwards. Uh, did you true. move to Fort Lauderdale for the job or did you already live there? No, I lived here. I worked for a previous uh, organization that had a big M. Uh, it was a phone manufacturer for about 12 years prior to that. So I was already down here in Fort Lauderdale. So okay. um, been here for over 20 years. It's uh, probably my home, but uh, yeah, it's it, I'm getting used to it and uh, you know, loving it. I, I like to go back up north for vacations uh, now and again. So uh, get away from the heat, but, uh, otherwise it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, aspirations of living down in that area at some point, a few months out of the year at some point, uh, we'll see if life ever, ever makes that happen or not. Yeah. You and a lot of other people, man, it's, it's grow. We're growing, uh, even since the pandemic, we've grown, uh, yeah. exponentially people and, and so forth. So yeah, I think well, a lot of people um, have the same idea. Yeah. And, and technology and work is now enabling that. I just uh, had a brief kind of pseudo interview with a guy that, uh, you know, he pretty much wasn't interested. Uh, he likes us, uh, but he's got a good job now. And I threw out the idea, well, would you like to live anywhere other than you live now? And and he said, well, yeah, I'd love to live in Spain or Portugal or something like that. And I said, well, okay, that's fine. I mean, that's what we do, right? We enable that type of, uh, we, enable t- that, we enable that type of workforce and hopefully make it seamless and uh, a positive experience. That's what Bill and myself and, and you to the last 10 years, we've been, that's all we've been talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because we, I've had, since the pandemic, we've had several of my coworkers and friends have said, well, since, you know, I, as long as I'm getting my work done, I can basically work from anywhere. So a buddy of mine just went uh, to Colorado for a month and did a, a month of work there, got a nice uh, Airbnb, quiet. And it was, uh, you know, it was great. He was able to get his work done. Another coworker of mine just was uh, uh, city hopping to visit friends that they hadn't seen since before the pandemic. Right. And they continue to work right through it. So, yeah, I've, we're seeing that more and more today. And that's the thing what Citrix is focused on is is making that happen for customers and for employees that, that want to kind of have that lifestyle, but still get their work done, right? Well, that's actually one of my, uh, as a business owner, that's one of my things. I, I want to have a couple places, condos, if you will, in different parts of the country where I could say, hey, you know, part of your benefit of working here is once a quarter, you can use any condo you want for a week and then, you know, go work from there, take your family and you know, enjoy that area do something different. Uh, I think that's a big part of the balance, the hybrid work life that's that, that should be happening. Yeah. And I think that's one of the I don't like to say blessing, but that's one of the things that's come out of the pandemic is, you know, people have have seen that they've been able to, you know, go. A lot of people are reevaluating their life and saying, hey, I'm going to go work wherever I'm going to go someplace. That's like the guy you're saying there. He wants to go work in another country for a while. I think this remote work, uh, you know, thought now is becoming reality, which is making 
you know, companies like yourselves and, and Citrix, uh, you know, interesting. And we're getting customers we've never talked to before that, have, you know, kind of want to want to have that experience or have their employees have that experience. Right. Yeah. Now's the time, especially if you're a forward thinking employer, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's sure. uh, let's let's jump into the blog. As you and Bill and I Certainly. were discussing before this, there's a there's a ton of content here, and this is uh, some of the most tangible stuff we cover on the podcast. Is the kind of the specifics around what you guys are doing? So, you know, I think what we were just talking about um, ties into the introduction here that that a lot of the uh, a lot of organizations across the world are looking to provide a flexible work from anywhere type of approach, and that's where you guys just keep doubling down on, on the technology, right? Yeah, that's that's true. We're we're seeing, as I mentioned before, seeing a lot of companies that are uh, coming out of the pandemic here, or you know, in this next phase, I'll say, of the pandemic, um, where uh, they want to leverage this flexible work, where they can have their employees work part time at home or part time on the road, or uh, just give that flexibility to allow them to work wherever they need to. And that's where Citrix has been dedicated to trying to um, uh, make that happen for customers where. In the pandemic, in the beginning, we're seeing a lot of companies had to quickly move to bring their employees, uh, you know, safely home. And we're glad that that was able to happen thanks to technology uh, and quick thinkers and, and good business companies. But we're also seeing now that companies have gone through that. They're saying, OK, now that we're in this next phase of this next gen, um, we're seeing, uh, you know, how, how do I make sure that those if those employees want to stay um uh, want to stay and do this flexible kind of work style, you know, how do I make sure that it's secure? How do I make sure that it's, you know, it's a great performance, whether they're in the office or, or at home and, you know, just making sure that everything works properly and that my employees are staying productive. So that's where our focus is from Citrix is yeah. making sure that we continue to add features and flexibility uh, to make sure that, you know, no matter where their employee is, is leveraging their work from what kind of device they're on, that they're doing it securely and uh, they're getting a great experience. Make sure they're productive. So, um, you know, that's where we again, where as we continue to add features and services to our both our on-prem and our cloud services, um, that's our focus. Yeah. Well, let me let me take one step back here. This came out uh, a few weeks ago. It's um, the title, the official title. People are looking for it. Is what's new with Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops, June 2021. And uh, Paul, I'll ask that if there's pieces of this that are service related, but not on premises or vice versa, that you just call that out just for our listeners uh, so that they understand when when one applies and the other. And specifically, we're talking about uh, Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktop 7 uh, release 2106, 21 being the year and 06 being the month. Uh, I guess one quick, quick conversation for you is, you know, Microsoft said Windows 10 was the last one. You guys have been uh, on seven for quite a while. Is there a, is there an eight coming someday or does it even matter at this point? I don't know if it matters too much. When we did, I think it was 2017 and correct me if I'm wrong, 2018 around that time we switched to a dedicated uh, you know, this this change of numbering uh, with we put the year and the and the month for when it's released. Um, we just specify seven right now because of the, uh, you know, uh, to just differentiate between on-prem and in the cloud kind of services, but, um, don't know if we'll ever change that. Um, but you know what, I've been here 10 years and we've made a couple of change name changes as you guys are probably very familiar with Zen, Zen apps and desktops. You guys could rent, render off, uh, probably seven or eight different versions that we've come up with. So, um, are we ever going to change that? You know, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a betting man and, 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 you know, say, yeah, sure. We're going to, we're not going to never going to change that, but, um, I don't know of anything right now that's going to happen like that. I think we're more focused on getting those features out there. So you, you know, you and, and the customers can, uh, take advantage of those things today. Yeah. Um, but you know, you never know. Well, I think you just said something I found very interesting. And now as I'm scanning back through the article, I'm noticing this. So when the number is included, so in this case, seven, so Citrix right. Virtual App and Desktop 7, that's a key indicator that for people that are on top of their game, uh, that means we're talking about the on-premises piece of the equation. Is that true? That is that is correct, yes. And then we usually like to call out um, from our Citrix Virtual App and Desktops uh, version, the family that's in the cloud, we like to call that our cloud service. So you'll see that as well as called, yeah, Citrix Apps and Desktops Cloud Service or Citrix right. Apps and uh, A lot of people will, will, will reference it as CVAD service. Um, that's when you want to 
that's the clue that we that's our cloud services. But again, we're trying to we're trying to make sure that we're giving both. But I'll call it out as you as you suggested. I'll call out where we uh, uh, where we have. But if you could see in the blog here, if, or if you're referencing the blog when you go to it, um, we start right off at the top and, and work from the on-prem version seven uh, right down into the other services uh, together. But I think that's clear. The the service doesn't include that twenty one oh six. The service is always evergreen or always up to date, right? Pretty much. Very good. That's right, Bill. We, yeah, that's one of the key advantages to the cloud service is right. that Citrix uh, brings all the enhancements and automatically imports them and, and puts them in there for you. So less on admins to have to continually update their service and make sure they have the latest patches and updates and features. Um, so that's the great advantage. One of the big advantages of going to cloud service, obviously the other is being able to do on-prem and cloud together as a, as a hybrid mode. So um, but yeah, this is for, again, we're, we're, we, we still love our, our on-prem customers. We still mm -hmm. want to service them and uh, support them as long as they need to. So um, this is, you know, definitely, uh, as you can see here, features that we continue to add quarterly um, to, to the service to, to continue to enhance it. Well, let's, let's do that. And let's jump through um, sure. the on-premises pieces, which would be for 7-2106. And we'll start and somebody... Somebody literally the other day, somewhat of a non-technical person, said 2022 to me as if I was supposed to know what that meant. And what they were saying was Windows Server 2022. And you guys are announcing at least public preview for uh, virtual app and desktop, both the control plane and the VDA, I assume. But you can clarify that uh, for 20, Windows Server, Microsoft Windows Server 2022. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah, so um, Microsoft back in March announced uh, that they were going to, they did a public preview start for Windows Server 2022. With Windows Server 2022, they're, um, they're adding some enhancements, including some security, some platform updates, um, just kind of making it, you know, again, uh, conscious of customers that are uh, looking at cloud services as well as on-prem, the capabilities of uh, being able to support both and be able to do it securely. So, Citrix, um, as you guys are well know, uh, we are, we've been partners with them or, you know, been partnering with them for close to 30 years here, uh, plus years. So it's not, uh, you know, surprising that uh, when Citrix, when Microsoft comes out with a new service that we're supporting them, uh, we try to do it, uh, you know, as quickly as possible. Oftentimes we try to get as a day one support. Um, in this case, uh, Microsoft is rolling out this Windows Server 2022, and um, they're in a. It's in a current public preview. You can go out today and start uh, looking at it and start testing it if you want. Citrix is, of course, as we're um, out there to support our customers, uh, we're giving support to that um, uh, that public preview version now. So if you have this uh, virtual apps and desktops 2106. Um, you have the capability of being able to go start testing that service as well. Now, we anticipate that Windows Server will probably come uh, uh, go into full GA sometime in the second half here of, uh, uh, of uh, 2021. Got to remember my dates. And uh, once it does, we'll have uh, support for that uh, once it reaches general availability as well. And, and Paul, and it's okay if you don't know the answer to this. I don't know if, I don't know if I'd expect you to know the answer to this. Is there any type of RDS-related functionality in server 2022 that that elevates the citrix world is there a feature in there we should be excited about um not that i know of at this time um i'm not an expert on windows server 22 honestly i just haven't had enough time to dive into the details um i do know that uh there are some security enhancements that uh microsoft is adding to it to you know uh, as we know in the world today we're seeing a lot of malware a lot of things like that uh and and breaches and approaches so i know microsoft is very conscious of those things and they're trying to implement additional security features just on top of to enhance um, what they're doing today um, from a citrix perspective i don't know you, you should be able to determine or you know as a citrix admin you should be able to roll into those and, and deploy uh on those servers without any issues um as i understand at this time um, there aren't any, uh, any unique ones that have been called out to me or that I understand right now at this time. Uh, but as we get closer to launch of uh, the general availability, uh, we'll probably have a, uh, an announcement, a blog or some kind of uh, layout here where we'll kind of go into details of what, uh, what kind of support you're going to get and what kind of enhancements uh, with Citrix you're going to have there. Yeah. yeah I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. yeah. Bill, Bill, you're not aware of any, are you? Do you? No. Okay. You saw the one I just, you saw the one I just binged. Uh, yeah. 
the one where you could steal an admin hash just if you're on the box somewhere. I, I don't know that that's real, but security guys like to talk about that one all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about the next one. Uh, single session VDA install and upgrade. Uh, restore yeah. and install upgrade failure. This uh, looks like some housekeeping. What's this one? Yeah, it's more about, um, as you said, it's more about uh, housekeeping. Uh, in some instances where customers are uh, going in and want to do a fresh VDA install, if they're taking everything out, in some instances that they don't get everything out, um, they might have a fail over or they're, you know, and sometimes an installation, if they're not doing it, uh, they miss a step or in some instances, um, what we're doing is we're giving this feature uh, that they can enable that allows them to instantly roll back to a previous VDA uh, install if that upgrade fails. It's more kind of just a safety measure and, and make sure that the admin doesn't have to struggle if he has some kind of mistake or failure on an upgrade. Um, it instantly will roll back so that he's not having to go back and do all that extra legwork. So it's more of a maintenance thing. It's more of a convenience for the admin. But again, our goals are to make, you know, we're trying to make the admin's life a little bit easier and, and uh, you know, give him and him or her, uh, you know, the opportunity to, you know, uh, be able to keep their updates, do their maintenance uh, without having a lot of extra headaches, which we're all uh, appreciative, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would love to get Bill's take on this next one. Uh, single session reconnect. So take out the word single. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, re- session reconnect yeah. after disconnected from a machine in maintenance mode. So in other words, you put a machine in maintenance mode, you're using it, you disconnect to it, either intentionally or unintentionally, allowing that user to reconnect to it, uh, controlling whether that can or can't happen. Uh, Bill, is this something you've ever run into in the field? Not really. Uh, I was kind of curious as to why, what what the driving force was behind it. But uh I mean, I can see the point you've got to, particularly if a user is, you know, on a Wi-Fi network or something and you put a machine in maintenance mode and they get disconnected and they're unable to reconnect to finish their work. But, uh, you know, my, I wonder here what drove this because this could make it difficult to uh, to trickle users off of a server or off of a VDA. I'm so sure. Think about a, think yeah. about a company in all, in all, in the world of Citrix and every other technology company. It only <laughs> takes one big company that has this problem. That's uh, a yeah. you know, reoccurring for them to, to want to request this. So Paul, is this saying you can control it one way or the other, whether it can or cannot reconnect? Yeah, that's correct. And okay. I believe, uh, I believe he's correct that uh, it was a customer request. Um, I don't uh, have all the details there, but that's oftentimes a lot of our priorities on uh, upgrades and uh, service uh, enhancements or um, whatever you want to call them, uh, they come from customers direct. That's what we try to prioritize because our, you know, obviously our customers are important to us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we want to kind of make sure that, uh, you know, they're happy. So, yeah. Do you, do you, do either of you guys know what the default behavior currently is? You can't reconnect. Can't reconnect. Yeah, correct. You would think you'd want, unless you're, Customers Bank of America and they want it. And then all of a sudden. (laughs) All right. Uh, Remote PC access disconnect session timer. Um, I think I know what this is all about and and, and always found it interesting. It was managed uh, at the Microsoft level. Bill, explain what this is and then Paul, jump in and say what you've done. Yeah, I think what this is based on reading it is really just the set, you know, handling the what happens when a session expires. So you know, in in a traditional uh, virtual desktop instance, you know, if you if you disconnect from a session or log off from that session, that session hangs there for a little while and then it can reboot depending on your settings. Looks like they're bringing that similar functionality to the remote PC world, uh, well, where let's... users disconnected, then it logs them off after a certain amount of time. Well, and Bill, I totally screwed that up. Let's make sure for our listeners, we're talking about remote PC where you remote into your physical or virtual, but more than likely physical desktop, uh, either a blade PC or the PC at your desk. And this is bringing some of that, uh, that, that niceness to that world. Is that what this is saying? Yeah, I think so. You know how in a traditional, you know, VDI environment, if you disconnect from your workstation or from your VDA, your, your virtual desktop, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't do anything for a certain amount of time, it'll log you off to free up the compute and, and memory and all of that. Um, it looks like they're bringing that to the remote PC world so that the, the, the desktop is not just hanging out there with a disconnected state. It'll actually log you off. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for these, type, for these types of things where you're logging off a disconnected user, you want to make sure it's communicated properly to your users so that they don't leave open a know, 50 page Word document that they haven't saved and you just log them off without saving it, that that doesn't make for a happy user. So you have to make sure that's communicated. So Paul, Bill's usually a pretty smart guy to get it right. 
Yeah, he's right. Yeah, I, I would add the one little piece of it is that uh, this is good for, especially in pooled environments where you have a bunch of pooled uh, remote PC uh, applica- or uh, desktops or whatever you want to call them, virtual, yeah. um, in the sense that they're not, uh, if, you know, if you have only a certain volume that you're holding open or you want to keep them available, I'm, I'm assuming things like education labs and things like that, uh, where, you know, if the person disconnects but forgets to shut down or maybe they've accidentally disconnected after a certain time, we want to get that uh, back out into a pool uh, availability yeah. to make sure that they can get back in and, and get access to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so. I'm googling now, binging as you can see, and I, I love the Blade <laughs> PC concept. When when people tell me virtual desktops don't have enough horsepower, they don't realize that we're not talking about virtualizing the actual machine. In most cases, we are. We're talking about virtualizing the delivery of it. Uh, High powered mm-hmm. Blade PCs uh, that'll get the job done. I don't care who you are. Yeah. And remote PC is a great way for customers who are looking at virtualization to get started too. That's one one other option. Very easy to uh, quickly to get uh, to put you know uh, to get it up and running. A lot of customers are seeing that as an advantage, especially uh, you know uh, coming in and out of the pandemic. They they were looking at that as a quick way to do it, and it's uh, it's great great option for those who aren't familiar with remote PC. Yeah, and anything's buying people a bunch of high powered laptops and sending them out there where they become a security vulnerability. Yeah, and plus, I think when uh, the pandemic happened, there was because there was so much demand for uh, for PCs uh, and and hardware that uh, those options were becoming uh, harder and harder to come by. So yeah, uh, that's customers are looking at that. All right, so one of uh, our favorite topics, what we call, um, well, currently call it session recording. Bill, what did we call it in the, the beginning? Smart auditor. Smart auditor. Smart auditor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, session Very recording. Good. What, uh, Paul, what are you guys announcing here around session recording as it relates to the on-premises story? Uh, we've just uh, basically we're just enhancing it a little bit more. So um, we want to uh, including uh, uh, in some instances the, the some of the uh, uh, client drive mapping to be able to uh, to have that uh, is in uh, being able to record any information regarding anything that's happening there, as well as um, it, with session recording, uh, we've uh, done an enhancement here also that. Um, will let you set, uh, it keeps a record of events only so that when you go to, in, instead of getting this full uh, recorded session of an entire uh, uh, user's, uh, uh, user's session, or there, maybe it's a shift that somebody's on, rather than record this entire huge file, um, you can set things like events uh, and record them at certain points rather than record the entire session. So if you need to go back and look at something, uh, we can you can quickly access it and see exactly what what the event that took place. And when we say events, those can be anything that's uh, considered, uh, you know, especially in regulated industries. It could be something that the the user did or something that they activated. Um, those can be defined by the admin, but it's something that um, allows them to. We're trying to keep that file size down and keep storage uh, at a minimum, right? We all know storage can. Um, can get heavy and and can get, get you know cause a lot of uh, you know, t- take up a lot of space. So we're trying to simplify it and again enhance it uh, to to continually uh, promote it so customers uh, who need it can use it. Um, we're also seeing it also in in um, call centers where uh, if or not call centers but excuse me help desks where if a customer call calls in for a, a service challenge and says uh, you know hey this is causing the problem and then in the service the uh, call center rep can't duplicate it or the admin can't duplicate it, um, they can at this time set a session recording and say, hey, I'm going to set a session recording for the rest of your shift. If it happens again, call me back and we'll go ahead and review it. So those some of those things that uh, people are leveraging session recording for today, but we continue to enhance it and bring bring service, uh, bring uh, value, continued value to it. I think, Bill, we asked, we, we wanted that 10 years ago, didn't we? That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The ability to, to trigger it on certain events, um, particularly events, like you said, Paul, that give rise to more potential security issues, for example, you know, enabling or copying files between the session and the local device or something like that, being able to say, hey, this is a situation in which I want to initiate a recording or something along those lines. Yep. Agreed. Great, great, uh, great point there. I appreciate that. So, guys, now we get to... Um... Well, more exciting stuff for people like us. The, the other stuff was pretty exciting. But now we're going to talk about things that have happened in the uh, virtual app and desktop cloud service world. Uh, and the first one is something that's a very common topic around service continuity. So you guys have this thing called service continuity. 
uh, making that generally available is what you're announcing here. Uh, Paul, you want to talk about the announcement itself, but before that, kind of just give an overview of what service continuity is? Yeah, sure. And I'd like to get your guys' feedback, seeing that you guys have, uh, you know, excellent experience uh, for, for many years on this. Um, so we've uh, introduced service continuity. Uh, it, we've been in tech preview for uh, about, uh, I think it's about three, three or four months now, uh, where it provides like this enhanced reliability for users. And what happens is on the perchance that uh, a cloud service were to, you know, uh, not be available in any instance, um, what this does is it allows the user is uh, notified that they, you know, that they may not be able to connect to a cloud service at the time, but it allows the resource in the in your Citrix workspace to continue working, uh, you know, through through a Citrix gateway service. Um, and it just gives the customers that much more assurance that if they're, you know, if they're on cloud or they're, they're leveraging cloud services, um, that they can continue to work no matter what the status is of, of any service at that time. But, um, you know, uh, what do you guys think on that? So, Bill, can can you break it down a little? For, I know we've covered it in podcasts, but I can't remember exactly what we covered and what we talked about from our previous conversations, specifically what is service continuity, what are the components of it? As I recall. Um, it, it basically works most uh, specifically with the Workspace app. So essentially the user connects to their environment and the Workspace app essentially uh, maintains a, a database or maintains a small uh, file or sets of files that contain their, what they connected to or what they can connect to. And then if the cloud service, the, the CBAD service is offline or they, they have a, which it happens rarely, but, but if they lose a connection or something to the internet or out to the cloud, but they still have IP connectivity to their VDA, then that, that workspace app can render the application icon, they click on it, it connects them directly to their VDA without having to have the, uh, the, uh, the Citrix virtual apps and desktop service brokering the connection. I think that's fundamentally how it works. And it's been out, um, like Paul said, a few months and it looks like they're just moving it to GA now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right on it. It's almost like you keep that ICA file around longer and it's usable longer. And if you can't phone home to find out what the latest, greatest information is, you, do, you revert back to, and I'm using the ICA file. It's probably a bad example. Somebody's probably yelling at me right now. It's that content of <laughs> the concept of it's cached so that you can get back to where you went before after checking to make sure that there isn't an availability to get updated information. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is there's got to be IP connect. You got to have you know network connectivity to the VDA for it to even work. But but um, the 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 inf- to your point, it, I don't know that Citrix would necessarily call it caching. But I mean, fundamentally, at the end of the day, it 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 is storing the connection icons or the connection um, details uh, that the user can then use when the cloud service can't broker it for them. Awesome, Paul. Did we miss anything? Yep. No, I think you're right on it. And uh, yeah, uh, within the within the blog, we have some uh, some breakdown of another blog there that you can click yeah. on to get more information there too. That goes into a lot of details there. Yeah. Okay. This is. I will say this has been uh, this discussion has come up more than once in projects where customers have said, "What happens if you know I lose mm-hmm. my connection to Citrix Cloud or Citrix Cloud goes offline or we have an Azure hiccup or what have you?" Um, so this conversation has has come up more than once um, and has. Um, in some ways, uh, kind of helped us uh, bridge that gap between, um, you know, a concern and a real concern and a and an option to remedy that concern. That makes sense. So, yeah, guys, would it, and that's kind of go ahead. Sorry, Andy. Would it be fair to say that's limited to the workspace app, not coming through a browser, but the workspace app? That's uh, my understanding and, at this point. Yes. Yes. Correct. And you would have to not be relying on the cloud connector to get to that VDA. You'd be able to go directly to it in some way, shape, or form. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, automation, automated configuration tool. Um, um, Bill, from a consulting perspective, you want to just give us a high level what that is, and then we'll jump in and let Paul tell us what the, the changes are. Yeah, we're actually using this right now with a project where the customer is going from an on-premises environment. Um, I say on-premises; it's actually a full build in Azure. So, you know, cloud connector. I'm sorry, um, controllers. You know, delivery controllers, storefront servers. Um, et cetera, um, all in Azure, and they're moving that to um, Citrix Cloud, and they have a boatload of um, of uh, delivery groups and machine catalogs and lots of users assigned to those various 
um, delivery groups. In many cases, they're they're 80 groups, which is great. But in some cases, they you know over time just added users, like we tell them not to. Nevertheless, this tool allows us to essentially take the environment that is running on premises and shift it or move it or copy it. Copy it is a better better term to the cloud service so that all those delivery groups are instantiated in there. We, we enable a connection back through to the VDA once it's reconfigured. All the users are assigned, um, all the applications are published. So you can move as much or as little as you need. And then it also apparently, if you watch the video that's in the blog, um, it also can apparently be used for cloud to cloud migrations, backups, lots of other uh, capabilities of the tool it looks like. Yeah, that's that's right on it. And uh, yeah, we, we initially called this the migration tool. And then uh, uh, one of our uh, great guys that you're, you guys are familiar with, uh, with Dan Feller, he said, no, you know, what? it's more than just a migration tool. This is something that you can use uh, over and over again. Things like being able to sync between clouds, sync between if you have a uh, business continuity, you, you know, uh, uh, separate separate sites. Uh, you're able to continually sync back and forth between those to make sure that everything is is uh, is is uh, online or everything is straight and uh, and you have all the latest updates uh, as you go. So this is not something that is just a one and done kind of thing. We're we're looking at it from the perspective of this is something a daily tool, a free tool, by the way. Uh, reminder for folks that are you know moving or considering CVAD service in the cloud um, that this is a, a great tool. We've um, I helped uh, a lot with the uh, um, when we were going through the uh, tech preview on this uh, initially, and a lot of great customer feedback. A lot of customers said it it really sped up the migration process for them uh, when they were doing it. Um, so in this instance, we're continuing to enhance those services. Uh, again, being able to do all you know multi sites, being able to do site activation, um, you know, and then even uh, we have even a warning uh, 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 code in there that uh, if the customer has an older version, they can go ahead and be uh, encouraged to update to the newest version of the tool. So we've done everything that, uh, you know, we're doing, we're continuing, we're continuing to add, we're, we're looking at other uh, features and enhancements to add to this service. So again, we don't want it to be a one and done kind of tool. Um, if you're, you know, if you have any other interest, uh, you know, definitely recommend looking at the video. It's within the blog itself. It kind of gives a great, we just put that video together. So um, it's fresh and uh, and should give you kind of a good idea of what it looks like um, to, you know, to how, how it operates. And, and you guys called out these three bullets, which I, I don't know that we've covered here, merging multiple sites. I think you did cover that one, but uh, site activation as well as uh, warning to upgrade to the latest version or enhancements. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, those are some of the ones that we just recently added. Um, those are some of the, uh, you know, the resources controls that you can, uh, you know, uh, as Bill was saying, is copy and paste or move from one location to another and, and uh, streamline it. Because a lot of the work that needs to be done, obviously, as you guys are well aware of, is, is that migration process is, is a long, uh, you know, it can get tedious, you know, making sure. And then, you, you know, you want to try to avoid any human mistakes of making those moves over. So this kind of uh, this kind of helps prevent any of those things from happening. Right. Yeah, anytime you can automate something, right? So it, it it may take more time in the beginning to set it up, but they'll save for later. Exactly. So uh, next one, it says DAS, desktop as a service. Uh, workloads now available on Citrix virtual apps service. I think this is really uh, taking a uh, feature and putting it into a different uh, edition of the product. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, if you're familiar with our Citrix virtual apps uh, service, it's our apps only uh, application as part of our Citrix virtual apps and desktops service, cloud service family uh, for customers that are looking to just do apps. Maybe they don't want, they don't have a need for desktops. Um, it's been a very popular service of ours. Uh, customers who, uh, you know, that uh, even customers that are just starting out, they like the, the uh, you know, the, uh, the option of this service. Um, and what we've done now is, and I think you probably talked to some of our other folks, um, we're adding this, uh, what we're calling DAS workloads or their desktops as a service or their uh, simplified workloads that can be quickly deployed. As we saw with the, um, with the pandemic, going back to the pandemic, uh, we're seeing that, you know, there, there's an instance in some cases where in some of this overnight, whether it's just weather, we have, I'm in Florida, we get hurricanes. Uh, or, or other factors where you need to, uh, rem, you know, uh, remote quickly get a, uh, a BDAs rolled out to employees to get them safely working at home or remotely. 
Um, we give you this capability now through our quick deploy feature, which is part of our, it's part of our entire lineup now of, uh, of Citrix virtual apps and desktops, uh, the cloud services. Uh, what we're doing is we're giving you uh, the ability to go in and quickly deploy um, uh, as needed uh, uh, within Azure service. You can deploy apps and desktops. I'm sorry, in this case, it'd be apps. Um, you can deploy apps uh, quickly uh, with a matter of five clicks to send out a simple one that your employees can access and then gra and then be able to continue to work uh, no matter where they are remotely. So this is uh, one of those services. You've probably heard about it before, but we're just adding that that uh, that DAS work those DAS workloads through this quick deploy feature into this service uh, as as we move forward today. So it works through our, our Azure consumption funds. Um, customers can go about it two ways. Uh, if they want to leverage uh, Citrix Azure, and I'll even back up one step further, um, we have the capability of being able to provide through this DAS environment, the ability to um, uh, manage uh, Azure uh, and consumption uh, for the customer on their behalf and make it easy for them. That's part of our Citrix. You may, you guys have probably talked about Citrix managed desktops or Citrix virtual apps and desktop standard now, as it's called mm -hmm. for Azure. Um, we have those capabilities where we can go ahead in and uh, we'll help manage the uh, the Azure portion of their of the customer, and we just bill them for whatever services those are today. Now we're adding that to this service where we can actually those customers can either prepay for Azure through Citrix, and it's it's kind of held in an account for them so that when they need it, they can burst into the cloud and use that services they need to. Or also, uh, they can they can just sign up for for billing services and for as little as a dollar. And then, if they utilize that service, Citrix will just bill them for any consumption that's used. So, it's somewhat of a convenience service. It's not something that's required for customers, but for those that want to leverage uh, quick deployments into the cloud for you know anything like temporary workers, contractors, uh, you know uh, these temporary use cases that we see every day. Um, mergers and acquisitions, I get a lot of times people ask me, hey, we're, we're, we're bringing in, uh, you know, another business and I need to just give them some kind of simple access uh, to give them access to an app or something specific. So um, we're giving that, that feature and that capability to uh, admins that utilize uh, this service, uh, give them that feature. So sorry, that was a little long winded, but sorry. I kind of wanted to set the level set on that so people understand. And this question is for both you and Bill. How do people typically connect those tenants to their on-premises or cloud environments for the like the the server side of a client server relationship i'm not certain but i think it's probably a a um vpn connectivity vpn connection or something along those lines or it's deployed in the customer's tenant i think when citrix is managing it it's some form of a vpn connection within azure well that's yeah, it's a simple SD WAN. I mean, that sounds like a perfect use oh, case. Yeah, taking desktop yeah. as a service. Absolutely, and that's SD probably what it is. Actually, that's probably what it absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah, I haven't absolutely. really dealt they with this. Do that. Yeah, I haven't really dealt with this uh, particular um, offering, so I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, detail. Yeah, it's non-domain joined uh, as ah, well, so okay. uh, you can yeah. do it that way through. And Citrix has uh, access to make it uh, capable that if if you're bringing in, say, uh, a seasonal worker, tax season, you need to bring in a couple of accountants, uh, you can just by simply having a uh, uh, an email address for the person to sign, now you can just implement them into this quick deploy, give them a simple desktop that they can get their work done. And now I don't have to sit there and, and uh, constantly edit and manage my uh, my active directory all the time. Uh, bringing these people on and off. So it's just, it's a more of a convenience thing for customer and more of a temporary, um, you know, work seasonal kind of environment, uh, you know, work, uh, I should say, use case. Uh, but we're seeing customers uh, are interested in, in looking at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. And of course, your our friends over at Microsoft have released Windows 365, which is, you know, they're brokered version into a you know virtual desktop into Azure, Sim similar type of service, but of course, missing a lot of the, the enterprise robustness that Citrix brings to the equation. Right. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, next one is uh, something I know Bill is a big uh, fan of, and got, we got about uh, 14 minutes left, but uh, Workspace Environment Manager Management, also known as WIM, a uh, couple of things here. Uh, Paul, you wanna talk through these, these three bullets and then I'm sure Bill will have input yeah, yeah. In the interest of time, I'll go quick. We're we're just continuing to add, uh, you know, uh, enhancements to our WEM or workspace environment management that 
uh, a tool that's very popular with our customers that, that people really like um, and they continually ask for, you know, uh, more support or more uh, more features to add to it to you know continue to use leverage it. Um, we're doing event trigger support, so now you can go ahead and uh, and define triggers for session recording. To you can uh, through WEM uh, determine the what those triggers are in session recording and what you know how to stop and start recordings. Um, so those have been added. Uh, being able to do MSI installers, um, we're basically giving admins the ability to give their users. Um, uh, uh, at an administrator level to install some in Windows installer files. Um, so if you want to go ahead and give a certain user the ability to be able to install files in uh, in there, uh, WAM will give you the ability to uh, provide those uh, those support for the privileges there. And then AppLocker, if you're, if you're familiar with AppLocker, what we're doing is we're just improving some of the, you know, the handling of the rule conflicts and, you know, try to just improve security administration and any kind of multi-session scenarios. But, uh, you know, I, I'd be interested in hearing your feedback and your thoughts around it. No, I think the first one is definitely something that was kind of goes back to what we said earlier about session recording, about the, the rest of them are, are really nice to haves here as well. Um, I'm curious, is that I assume this is both the on-premises version as well as the cloud version. Is that accurate? Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay. Yes. Very nice. Yeah, and Bill, yeah, that's so again. Is, uh, I mean, we're 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 an AppSense now Avanti um, partner, and that uh, that second one has always been kind of the kind mm -hmm. of a grasp, kind of a reach for the Citrix users that they needed. Uh, that gave them you know the ability to do those installs without giving full blanket admin rights. That is as uh, techy and as dorky as it sounds. That's the one that's got me most excited. The second one, yeah. MSI installer support. Yeah, we, we we typically try to include this on just about every project. Um, WIM that is, and it's it's super mm -hmm. super simple where you're dealing with cloud, because uh, really all you have to do is deploy the VDA and then configure your policies. It's really simple. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I, all I can say is stand by. We're we're having a, a good a lot more uh, enhancements coming soon to WEM, and uh, you know we're continuing to you know look at it and and see how we can uh, continue to enhance it and make it so that's something for customers to to leverage today. Well, and, and my the most exciting thing, if I take off my tech guy hat for a minute, put on my business guy hat for a minute, the fact that Citrix is in, it's still investing in some of these little things that don't necessarily change the um, the income stream of the company that much. Uh, that that's good to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I'll give a shout out to our engineering teams because they are working super hard. And uh, you know, despite all that's going on in the world, they they've kept their head down and they're keep working hard. You know, no matter where they are, um, they're doing a great job. And they, you know, we're you know we're giving we're seeing every day them coming up with. You'll see them, you know, tech previews and, and and enhancements and things like that. So our guys are working really hard there. So, like I said, this is just the start. You're going to see a lot more here as we continue out through the second half of the year. A lot of great features are going to be rolling out here. Yeah. All right. So we're on the we're on the home stretch. We got a lot to cover. Uh, mm -hmm. This next section talks about Citrix virtual app and desktop standard for Azure. Um, basically, the, the desktop as a service piece gets uh, Citrix Studio and, and enhanced monitoring. Paul, can you just hit these uh, three bullets for us? Yeah, I'll give you a really quick. This is our, our again, our DAS service. And uh, what we've done is uh, rather than just have, you know, again, we have the great, uh, the, the great thing about this service was it's, um, uh, it's simple to use and it's quick to operate and it's quick to deploy. Uh, we, we tried to take the simplicity uh, angle of it uh, with Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktop Standard and make it easy for folks that just need to deploy, don't need uh, uh, detailed uh, you know, or need the flexibility or the granular uh, management that our CVAD full services supply. So what we've done is uh, we've made that service simple and easy for customers who just want to do some basic uh, deployments of apps and desktops. Um, but with that, we've also added, we're continuing to add enhancements to that service and make it um, even more value added. We were adding, as you guys are very familiar with Citrix Studio, uh, the Web Studio edition now that is uh, is basically rolled out on on our Citrix Virtual Apps Desktop service uh, family. Uh, we're in, we're bringing that into uh, this service. It's not a required. It's not the default service, but it's something that they can if uh, somebody that's using that service can wants to move over and do some um, uh, policies, import you know, uh, install policies or do a little bit more than what they do with a basic service. Um, now they have a basic version of Citrix Studio that lets them leverage that. 
Um, secondly, we're adding enhanced monitoring, which is basically adding Citrix Director to um, this service, including it. Um, as you familiar with Citrix Director today, it offers a lot of great features uh, and enhancements right within uh, right within the monitoring tool. Uh, when this service first rolled out, we had some nice basic services that they could enhance and look at. Um, but some of the folks coming back were saying, "Hey, you know, we have we have a help center or help uh, support guys that that need a little bit more information." So with this, we've rolled out Citrix Director to this service now, so they have that capability that they can go in and quickly monitor, you know, services and how the health uh, of services are with that service. It's not the full on what you would see with some of the others with our higher versions of, of Citrix virtual apps and desktop service, uh, but it's giving that. And then again, the prepared images. One of the best, one of the best things about this service is um, we, we include a, uh, a master image library. These are uh, basic images that are updated regularly by Citrix that customers can either import their own or they can build their own, or they can just grab and go with a templated uh, image that they can just go and deploy instantly as they need to. So this, we're, we're just continually growing this image library. We have everything from Linux to um, Windows multi-session. There's a lot of them out there. So we're, we're making it available and it's, uh, you know, it, it just enhances the service even more uh, so that if customers want to use it and leverage it, they, they, uh, they have all those features that they need to get it done. Okay. Well, that, that takes us into the last section here, which is one of the most exciting things about the Citrix world and one of the places where it brings probably the most value, and that's around analytics. This first section mm -hmm. talks about uh, performance analytics, and you've got four call-outs here. You want to cover these four call-outs, starting with the, uh, the gateway service and connector visibility. Yeah, sure. And for gateway service and connector, now we, uh, with our Citrix performance analytics service, um, we're giving visibility into gateway service and the connector metrics. So now you have that much more visibility into how that's performing and any adjustments that need to be made. So that's uh, that's one great uh, add-on to uh, to this service to just bring more value to it. Then, of course, uh, we're just adding additional enhancements to things like session responsiveness, being able to get visibility into things like bandwidth consumption, network latency, application delay and session duration so that you can kind of better assess where, you know, if you're, if, if you have a user that's having some challenges uh, or not having a good day, so to speak, um, we can go ahead and, and the, the admin can quickly look into it or a help desk can look into see, uh, you know, and, and de determine where, uh, if they're having issues, where that might be. Cause we know as, as uh, Citrix folks, you know, when the, the, the end user sees all he sees is Citrix, he goes, my Citrix isn't working. And that we know that doesn't always uh, you know, isn't always the case. So this is some way to quickly be able to look into those things. Again, also adding session experience uh, enhancements, being able to get to that granular visibility into that session experience uh, and see what those impacting factors are. Um, again, to make sure that we can troubleshoot quickly if they're having a bad day, or even if they're not, we can go ahead and look as we're doing our general maintenance to see if there's anything, any way to improve the performance of those current services. And then lastly, a noisy, what we're calling our noisy neighbor identifier. That's great for when you have uh, users that are, are sharing resources and you're getting people with poor uh, session experiences. You can look and see uh, who's causing the, you know, who's causing the poor session experience across there and, and, and uh, make adjustments there. Uh, so that you uh, you can rectify that that service uh, quickly. Yeah, yeah, I love and, I'm, and then I love all of those. Oh, go ahead. That last one specifically. Bill, do you have any comments on any of these? Uh, no, it's great to see that we're including the gateway service and the connector metrics in here. But all of these, I really like. I think they'll definitely customers will take advantage of these. This is all good stuff. Yeah, we're feeling the same way too, and we're we're yeah. we are pushing. Our, our enhance, you know, enhancing our, our performance and our security analytics today to just, you know, continually grow the service and, and bring that more value add for customers that are considering, you know, analytics today. Um, it's a great service, especially if you're, you know, you're looking to expand in the cloud or, or you know, or, you know, run your, you're expanding your businesses in, in general. Great, great option there. And then um, we're also looking in from the security analytics updates. Um, being able to do with geofencing, um, giving user access uh, with security analytics. This is basically being able to, if the person, if you have a user that's outside a geofence uh, that's trying to log in uh, outside of a, uh, a what we're considering a geofenced area, it can actually um, send a notification to the user to say, "Are you intending to, you know, to are you trying to 
log in at this location, yes or no. And they could say yes or no. And they can, uh, the, the admin can choose to what kind of action that person does based on um, their response. So say if somebody was getting a notification that, um, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not supposed to be, you know, or, you know, I'm getting somebody's trying to access from a different part of the world. Um, and the user says, that's not me, then they can go ahead and automatically shut down that, that uh, access uh, and make it, you know, just add that level of security there and, and prevent somebody from logging in inappropriately and maybe downloading, uh, you know, confidential material. Um, access assurance dashboard, it's just a, it's a new tool for security that helps them visualize uh, end user access so they can implement defensive strategies. So what it does is it actually shows where their users are, are logging in from and it gives them uh, the ability that they can implement defensive strategies based on where their users are coming in most. So it's kind of just like an overall look there at a dashboard and kind of gives them view of where, where their uh, users are and make sure that they're uh, getting proper security in those in the locations that they're supposed to. And then lastly, the session recording insights. We've talked a lot about session recording on this, this podcast here, but what we're doing is we're giving them uh, the capability of it's recording, uh, you know, uh, it, it's taking uh, information about uh, when there's recorded events that happen and it gives the, the admin the ability to quickly locate and observe those security, uh, if there are security incidents or there's something that you've set up the, the, the um, admin can quickly look at those and see where they are you know, almost in real time. Uh, it just gives them a, a, a quicker way to respond, uh, you know, if, there's, if those events are triggered. So Bill and I both probably agree that Citrix has been a security play for a long time, just with the presentation protocol and the ability to prevent channels in that. But things like this just continues to take the security story further and further and further so that it, it becomes more and more obvious that Citrix is a security step in the right direction, at least with tools to back that statement up. Yeah, thanks for that. We, we really are focused on that. Uh, we know customers are focused on it. It may not be their top need, but it's always something that everybody always asks about at some certain point in the conversation, as you guys are well aware of in your customer conversations, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We hear it a lot. Um, and I love this geofencing capability to be able to adapt the authentication and the notification to the situation. You know, like you said, your example, the users logging in from somewhere they normally don't, then it can say, is this you? And if they say yes, maybe we can uh, we can also make them, um, you know, authenticate using a different factor, like they get a text message or they get an authenticator pop. Um, to make sure that it's them. So there's all kinds of granularity you can get into here to make it more secure. It's good stuff. Yeah, agreed. Well, Paul, we are out of time, but I appreciate you joining. And, and as we pointed out somewhere through the middle of this, it's uh, you know, Citrix is the leader in this space. They have competition these days, but clearly still the leader and uh, not resting on their laurels for sure. Yeah, and thanks so much, guys, in advance for you know to put this together and inviting us inviting us in to have these conversations. You know, we'd love to you know continue the conversation, and uh, you know if there's anything we could talk about in future, uh, you know, uh, future podcasts, please you know reach out, and we'll be glad to uh, have uh, have them with you. You you know we will. Yeah, we will. <laughs> That's why we love you guys. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for the time, Paul and Bill. We'll uh, we'll do it again at a different time. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. Thanks. See you.